You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 571, a desert island quiz. Is Lisa Kudrow the worst person ever? And the peculiar world of Nina Wadia. That's all coming up after Teardrop Explodes and Trésin, c'est juste une histoire. short-lived band but for a year or two they brought an excitement and energy to the charts mm. the Eng- english language version reached number 18 on the uk top 40 this was the rare french version from 1981 teardrop explodes and trésor c'est juste une histoire very good très bien très bien very, very <laughs> much a fan of teardrop explodes although my friends did see julian cope in latter years this would have been 2007 i think at latitude mm. and I'm not quite sure what was going on with Julian Cope that day, but it did end in him adopting a Christ-like pose in the middle of the crowd whilst people threw beer cans at him. So yes. so maybe this is a better way to remember the music of Julian yes. Cope. He has had some bonkers moments in mm. his life, it must be said. Um, well, welcome to the Parish Council. It's episode 571. I'm Terence Dackham and... Never mind the toast of London. She's the toast of the nation. It's Juliet Harris. <laughs> I can hear you, Clem Fandango. Yes, very much indeed. I I, I do. I do feel my. I, I do feel sad that people don't toast me as regularly as they should do. But anyway, hello everybody. Desert Island Discs is a much-loved programme. Mm. It's on BBC Radio 4. It was first broadcast in 1942. Yes, and, goodness me, that's that's uh, a very long time, isn't it? It is. It's quite a straightforward format a guest is asked to imagine they're cast away on a desert island mm. and they choose they must choose eight recordings a book and a luxury item that they can take with them mm. um, to this island often these choices and the interview reveal fascinating insights into the life mm. and feelings of the guests um um by the way, uh, uh, of the eight choices of recordings, usually music, the castaway must um, nominate, which is the the one piece they would grab above all others. Yes, to be saved from the yes, saved from the waves is exactly. the expression they use, I think. But listener and Juliet, mm. how good will you be at guessing from <laughs> two choices? 
the yes. favourite tracks and luxury items of five tippity top famous Ooh. people over the years. I like this. This is a great idea. Let's go. Five people, five music choices, um, and five luxury items. Oh, okay. So ten points available. Now, I think if you score over five, you win because I think oh, I've excellent. made this a bit tricky. Okay, fine. Let's try. Uh, uh, yes, I've used a, a bit of um, a jiggery pokery, we might say, Ooh, to put on this. Juliet and listeners. Mm. Bob Mortimer in 2019. Yes, that was a lovely episode. I heard some of that, I think. Oh, blow, you might remember. But anyway. I, I, I might not. <laughs> Which was his favourite track? The one that he would save mm. from all others yeah. if the waves came rushing in. Was it Joni Mitchell, Down to You, or Roxy Music, Virginia Plain? I will go for Joni Mitchell. Correct. Hooray! Luxury item. He chose his luxury item. Did he choose his own pillow or a fishing rod? His own pillow. No, he chose the fishing rod because I've gone fishing. Oh, which is it going to be? Well, you've chosen two that you can only have one. Fishing rod. It was his own pillow. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, dear. I took myself out of it, shouldn't I? Yes, you did. In 2017, David Beckham. Mm. Did he choose as his favourite track The Spice Girls, To Become One, or Ella Fitzgerald, Every Time We Say Goodbye? Oh, this is interesting. Um, Ella Fitzgerald. Oh, you're right. I tried to trick you there. Uh, Yes, I I thought that might have been that that might have been the trick. Possibly. Interestingly, he also chose What a Fool Believes by the Doobie Brothers. And every time I played this on the radio, particularly during the pandemic, my friend Ashley would always write in to say that she and David Beckham were extremely similar people because she also (laughs) liked that song very much. It would always remind me of David Beckham and my friend Ashley. David Beckham's luxury item. Mm. Would he take his England caps or a scented pillow from Victoria's range of fashion? Um, England caps. Correct. Yeah. Oh, you're what already a bad, What three a bad husband, though, but still. Yeah, I know. <laughs> 1981. Her Royal Highness Princess Margaret. Oh, wow. I need to try and dig this out of the archive. This sounds like it could be great. <laughs> Did she choose as her favourite track Tchaikovsky, Swan Lake, or The Beatles, I Want to Hold Your Hand? I tell you what, I'll take a risk here and I'm going to go for The Beatles. Uh, it's a Tchaikovsky, I got you on that uh, one. Ah, well done. I well got done. you there. Mm, you did. Uh, you, yeah. you, you rascal, said he. I know. Her luxury item, Princess Margaret, Her Very Royal Highness. Mm, HRH. Yeah, indeed. A piano... Or her own pillow from the island of Mustique. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for the piano here. You're correct with Hooray. the piano. How many have you got? One, two, three, four. You've only got to get one more to win. And then the it'll be major. fine, yes. Yes. Two thousand and nine. Let's go back in time to two thousand and nine mm. and wave hello through the mists of time to Morrissey. Oh, I see. He was so rude to Kirsty Young, I did not approve. Oh gosh, okay. I didn't. I didn't <laughs> listen to it, so I don't. Oh, I'll have to. It's 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 uh, it's it's toe curling to listen to. I remember listening to it at the time, and he was incredibly rude to her. I think he thought he was being um, either funny or insightful, and it it he did not give a good account of himself, in my view. I can't remember the records there, so yeah. don't worry. Good, because did he choose as his favourite the New York Dolls Showdown or the Sweet Blockbuster? I believe it would be the New York Dolls. I think he was a big fan. Correct. Correct. His luxury item. A comfy bed with lots of pillows or a signed portrait of Rita Tushingham. Uh, The latter, I would say. It was the comfy bed with lots of pillows. Oh, it's the pillows fox me every time. There we go. Uh, but you've got your five there already. So one, two, Excellent. three, four, five. Yes, you have. So you're already through. Um, you, you, you've already scooped. We've already the made awards. it. Yes. yes. So uh, just for fun, listeners and Juliet, here's number five, the last of our mm. uh, potential uh, castaways. 1982. Let's give a big thumbs up to Sir Paul McCartney. Yeah, it's Macca. Woo. Did he choose Little Richard? 
Tutti Frutti or John Lennon, Beautiful Boy? I'll say Tutti Frutti. It was John Lennon, Ooh, Beautiful Boy. I was so That's surprised. Nice. That's I know. nice. I'm thinking it was like only. It was so short, shortly after, after his death, death wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. What's he going to take with him as his luxury item? Is it going to be a guitar or a set of luxury pillows? A guitar. It is the guitar. Yes, I can't imagine him going without playing the guitar. Six out of ten. Hooray, I think that's, that's very good because right, I worked it? very hard to yeah, make that. Yeah, they were excellent questions. Thank tricky. you, Sophie. Well done, Juliet, and the listener. Does it out of discourse? It's one of those sh- radio shows that I really like in my mind. But I never listened to. I'm, I'm fascinated mm. by the guest choices and to read yes, a list of them. It's a great I can't seem to be bothered to li- listen to it. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's and it's some. I suppose it depends what you're doing as well. So it feels like it goes out at slightly odd times. Sometimes yes. it goes out on Fridays and it goes out on Sundays. The podcast, by the way, BBC Sounds have a big archive of them, and that's quite fun. Weirdly, I used to listen to them back in the day. We are going back sometime now, and I used to go to the mm. gym and go on the walking machine, mm. and I used to put them on and and sort of do. A, a, a version one thing i would say is that um the, the the length of the music on the radio is longer than when they do it on the podcast for rights oh, reasons right. so if you want to hear more of the songs then i'd recommend that you try and listen live if you can on the radio but otherwise otherwise you do get a bit of the song but you don't get a very right. long excerpt but yes yeah, like you i find it fascinating an insight into people and it's always interesting how much thought people have given it as well mm. I was very entertained. I think the best ever, most entertaining ever luxury novelty item was um, Kathy Burke went on and was quite entertaining. And her, she is very keen on James Khan, and she decided from Dragon's Den, I think, and she decided that she would like to take a a laminated full-size portrait sort of a cardboard cutout <laughs> style and it had to be laminated so she could go body surfing on it was the was the, <laughs> that, that really did make me laugh i must admit it's um it, it's interesting it's funny how people always had to take the complete works of shakespeare and the bible yes. still and i feel like saying now can i horse trade on this can yes, i swap indeed, for yeah. something else but uh, no i i find it a very interesting and insightful program the, some of the ones that you mentioned memorable episodes as well morris's rudeness towards towards kirsty oh, young yeah. which is shocking at the time but who knows maybe we're so desensitized now years yeah. old that it won't sound so strange but i remember i'm talking gonna to listen someone to that I, later so talking to someone i started going out with in 2010 about it and we both still remembered it from a few months earlier and wow. said how absolutely shocking it was um bob mortimer's episode is worth a listen he is very insightful about Growing up, his childhood, the loss of his father, how he had to grow up very quickly. It's a very, he came across very nicely, I thought. He is the world's nicest man, isn't he? He sounds it. It sounds absolutely lovely. Um, So, no, it's a programme that I enjoy very much. Um, Like you say, the insight of of who picks what. I don't know if it's still up, but I think possibly for its, as you say, celebrating its 80th anniversary this year, possibly for its 70th anniversary, I think that would seem about right if Mm. we dial back. They had a thing where you you could search on the website to see how many times a particular artist have been chosen if artists oh, have never be been chosen yeah. yeah you could you could do a lot of number crunching for mm. it which is which is quite interesting i think it's always in it's often the most interesting episodes are ones where you don't know the person so as well as like the sort of headline celebs they'll have on they had they usually get a big one to sort of relaunch the new series they had uh, kate moss i think fairly recently as a as a guest mm. um and they they also will have people like for example, a sort of a, pro- a, a, a an eminent professor in genetics, genetic sort of mutations or something. Although I have mm. like a very serious science person, and often they're the most interesting because I'll know nothing yes. about the person, and they're they're almost always inevitably very articulate and very interesting. Mm. And you know, they've been I think we talked about it on the podcast before Lauren Laverne taking over firstly temporarily from Kirsty Young, who was who was unwell and then and then permanently. Although delighted to hear Kirsty Young sort of back doing commentary mm. and things at the moment but um um there have been criticisms of lauren laverne you know for, for for not for being sort of adenine but actually the the opposite applies in that she really is very good at putting people at ease and i mm. think gets gets quite deep 
insights as a result and I can't remember if it was a question that Kirsty Young used to ask but one that she asked a lot is and often the most revealing question is towards the end when people are sort of loosened up she'll often say how would you cope with being on an island by yourself and often that is really mm. deep psychologically mm. and says a lot about a person so big fan of Desert Island Discs I think it's a great program and it's and it's worth it's the sort of thing Terence, that you can dip in and out of because each mm. episode is discreet isn't it so and it's the sort of thing where I could easily be four or five of these podcasts at once if you want to once i remember mm. they're there um i tend to listen to lots well you did very well getting around my wily ways yes absolutely i have to watch you at all times i know absolutely. this absolutely <laughs> not to be trusted coming right up <laughs> is lisa kudrow a villain and <laughs> is joe lisa a hero uh, we sort that out it's right after the beatles there are places i remember chosen as hrh princess margaret's favorite uh favorite singer, as we just learned but yeah. uh, i i came across this on um friday last friday so that would have been the 9th of september on bbc six music who were playing various songs and having a program that was not their usual program because it was obviously the the, the day after the passing of, of her majesty the queen so they decided they would take a more reflective approach which i think was completely right and very well done particularly by marianne hobson her team who she was a good calming presence to have on the radio during that time and they'd obviously thought very carefully about songs they wanted to play and they picked some some songs that were sort of reflective and and calm but also quite interesting as well so they were playing things like aphex twin and janelle Monáe and bonobo and a real sort of range of records that were interesting and this sort of floated across the air and i thought it was such a brave and bold choice because I could easily imagine some radio producer somewhere vetoing it straight away saying you can't play that now it literally talks about people having died but actually the fact that they kept it in I think it's really it's a really beautiful song and it's very reflective and thinking about sort of situations in life that pass that stay with us and I thought it was a wonderful record to play at that and of course we are long known for our commitment to this particular beat combo so I thought why not choose this this week that is the Beatles and in my life it's a great choice I always see rubber soul as a stepping stone between yes. the sort of four lovable mop top mop beatles tops, of half yeah. days night and the shaggy hair psychedelic beatles of revolver and it's yes it's a, it's a quite significant leap between these two and i think rubber soul sits halfway between mm, between agreed. them really 
delightfully um talking about you know music choices on on the radio you've just reminded me i i worked briefly as a freelance producer at both capital radio and um bbc radio london a, a long time ago and i remember at bbc london the every the, the studio had this enormous um wooden box mm. um with a kind of baker light handle i can still see it now that sort of flipped over that had it had on it um some sort of um uh, label saying um music for when an important figure dies and in it was like a, a load of vinyl albums and singles so that if somebody was on air doing i don't know the reggae show on bbc yes. radio london and suddenly some news came through that a really you know a prime minister or yes, a royal had died you immediately happened. had to refer to this box and it told you it was this like um also before photocopying there was a way that you could copy um stuff it, it, everything the paper was smelt of chemicals i can't remember what it was oh, called right, but yeah. um, and it had the, pages and pages of those stapled together again telling you the things to say and ah, um, the kind of tone to take and the records play and um that must have been in there that was that would have been the uh late 70s and i rather feel that I'd probably been in there since the war because it was like a really <laughs> old yeah, you know wooden thing yeah so um i imagine that's you know it's all digital now so if yeah, uh, exactly. in case of uh uh, national morning break open this uh computer file absolutely I uh, and i suspect that play- playlists have been compiled for yes. a while because you know it was it was not altogether unexpected so i suspect no. that that that's what's happened there's an interesting um article i it's a huffington post article i think it's mm. worth having a look for um that someone reflecting on what happened at radio one when princess diana passed away and um oh, and yes, because yes. that was really you know they're program was completely banjacks for some days and that yes. was talking about um the songs that were played and and it was it's just a really interesting read it's worth mm-hmm. it's worth reading okay. to, to see although there i i completely agree and understand with radio stations paying their respects during this time i thought it was very well done but there were some quite surreal happenings as a result my friend reported that he was listening to kerrang which is the um the metal music magazine kerrang heavy metal and rock mm. has a radio station yeah. attached to it as well and he heard the lark ascending on Kerrang oh, at one point, uh, which he really did not expect to happen so uh, so yes I rather admire that rather sounds like sweet. it came out of a, a, a duplicate of the box I was referring uh, yes, to yes I suspect I, I mean who knows, people are vast and contain multitudes so it might well be whoever was programming the music at Kerrang was a fan of the lark ascending yeah. but yes surreal times Lisa Kudrow, who, by the way, turned 59 this summer. Oh, goodness me, yes. Seems like a really nice person, especially when playing her role of Phoebe Buffet in Friends and a a sort of kind-hearted, whimsical, little bit light-headed, but with a heart in the right place. And equally in Mad About You, which incidentally is one of the great underrated situation comedies. Yes, very much agree. Um, in that Lisa Kudrow again plays a kindly but absent-minded character. And she's a patron of 11 charities and actively supports 22 other causes. So a thoroughly good person, we can assume. Yes. Or can we, Jules? Because Spencer Pratt from the reality show The Hills has created quite a different impression of Lisa Kudrow. Yeah, I mean, I feel that the starting point of this story has to be that I had no idea who Spencer Pratt was and had to and had to Google him and see who he was. I know what the Hills is. I had no idea who he was at all. At first, I thought he might be Spencer Matthews from Made in Chelsea, another reality or structured reality type program. But anyway, he's gone public to say that he he this was as all major news stories are broken now, Terence on TikTok um, said said that um he was at a party in 2009 i'm not sure why this is news now sir t i have a rather cynical view on this which is that 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 spencer pratt wants us to know who he is so he's digging up a a a, 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 an anecdote lovely wife heidi montag 
Have when you, you not heard I, of her either? I had heard of Heidi Montag, actually. I knew who she was. Did not know who, who Spencer Pratt was. Um, <laughs> I, they were they were talking about him. I mean, you know, his name is Spencer Pratt. Sometimes well, they just indeed. write themselves that name. Um, and he, um, the thing that I love... Um, he said, Heidi and I were invited to our first elite A-list party this in 2009. It was clear when we got there, no one wanted us there, Pratt said. Codro came over as we were sitting there consuming a little caviar. I mean, what can I say? Working class <laughs> heroes, Spencer Pratt and Heidi Montag, who just wanted to sit and eat their caviar in peace. I mean, if you could start making the world's smallest violin, Terence, I'd very much appreciate it. He said, it's a little shocking as no one had spoken to us at all at the party. Codro comes over Pratt said that Kudrow told Montag um, uh, that she needs to get away from me as fast as possible because I'm going to murder her. And that Pratt had the eyes of a serial killer. The two thought Kudrow was joking at first. Maybe this is a bit a, a bit a skit where it's a hidden camera body. She just walks away. Um, a, a vulture, this is reported in the online magazine Vulture, which I enjoy actually. Kudrow has yet to comment on the situation, but we're sure she stands by her initial assessment. I mean, thanks, Vulture, for that editorialising, which I feel gets you into some legal difficulty. But anyway, um, I'd, what can I say? I I do not. I'm not compelled to feel sympathy to Spencer Pratt and Heidi Pag <laughs> doing this because it fa- sounds to me like the impression I'm getting is that everybody at the party <laughs> might well have met, like Lisa Kudrow had made their trade by having a trade by acting by be, by music you know having a talent being good at something rather than just wandering on to some random reality tv show I mean it's not nice to imply that people are serial killers I just <laughs> want to make that clear but equally I, I could sense uh, I mean the way that story is told we were just having a little caviar I I, I might have find them at found them irritating as well I suspect she was joking I mean I could have this wrong Spencer Pratt could be an intellectual titan but I suspect that her that Lisa Kudrow's humour might have been either ill judged or perhaps it misinterpreted I sense also why are we hearing about I mean I mean this with all respect Terence why yeah. are we talking about this why are we hearing about this now how is this anything other than an excuse for me to have to say the name Spencer Pratt many times <laughs> over the course of seven minutes it's it's I just think oh for goodness sake is my view on this I'm well, afraid the thing is, I can actually hear in my mind Lisa Kudrow telling someone that they have the eyes of a serial killer <laughs> and that advising Heidi Montag to make a run for it because Spencer Pratt is likely to murder. Um, I hesitate to ad- ad- admit this. It's the sort of thing I say to people. It's a yes. kind of Larry David syndrome, blurting <laughs> stuff out, half in jest, but the other half of you feels it's true and you have to unburden yourself and say it out loud. So yes. I, I'm with Lisa Kudrow on this. <laughs> I can we are Team Kudrow on this occasion, yeah. yeah. On the other hand, mm. I've got a declaration to make. Ooh, I've never liked Joe Lysett. I have never forgiven him for his attitude to you when you were on Radio 2 in the Uh, summer of 2019. He was clearly badly briefed, he'd done no research, and he treated you almost as an inconvenience instead of the golden girl of Radio 2. Well, that's very kind. To to be fair, obviously he wasn't my rider, so he was never going to be be that. Having said that, my my overriding memory of that is our discussion of what ring you use on the hob at the end. I thought that was very funny. So, so I, you know, what can I say? I've forgiven him for not being Ryden. I'm sorry you haven't, Sir T. I haven't, I'm afraid. I've I've tried to put that aside, but when considering the... Well, I tried to put it aside when I was considering the value of his performance on... Laura mm. Koonsberg's first Sunday show on BBC yes. television the other weekend. But I still, still didn't like him or his me, me, me performance. And I think with the Laura Koonsberg show, the BBC were daft to book him and he wasn't funny, Jules. Well, this is interesting, isn't it? So, so yes, I... So, so, so Joe Lysett, or to give him his proper name, Hugo Boss, as that's what he changed his name to for some time. So Joe Lysett's humour has always been a sort of a an interesting one in that he's trying to do two things at once, I think, in that there's half of him that's trying to be this sort of light entertainment kind of person. But there's a sort of underbelly that's always had to him where, where he's sort of satirical. And the Hugo Boss stuff, he's actually, he had, a, I can't remember what it was called now, but he had a show on Channel 4, which was sort of a consumer 
consumer rights show where right. he was kind of taking on corporations on behalf of the little guy. And I quite enjoyed that. That was quite good. Also, he has excellent titles to the stand up shows playing on his name. Um, that's the way uh, her, her Joe Lysett was one tour. And also um, another tour was I'm about to lose control. And I think Joe Lysett, I think, as well. So I do sometimes find him funny. This was an odd thing. Um, and this is one of those things there's so many moving parts of this that I think can all be true at the same time, which is his performance was very disconcerting. There is an argument that Laura Koonsberg's first show, Laura Koonsberg has, has attracted lots of opium. Uh, how's it pronounced? Opribium? Uh, lots of opposition. Oh, opribium. <laughs> Yeah. That's it. Lots of uh, we'll stick with opposition. Lots of opposition yes. over the years. Um, a, a lot of which I think she has been related to her gender, and I think that she always gets a shoeing where I'm not entirely convinced it is justified. So that's that. So so as a result of which I'm inclined to agree with it in that you know would he have done this if it wasn't Laura Koonsberg? Who knows? Um, by this, what we mean is is that he appeared to he appeared to go on. Um, Liz Truss had been interviewed earlier on in, in the uh, in, in the episode, and he was sort of asked about her. And Emily Thornberry was there in the background as well, who did seem to suddenly fall into what what was happening. And basically, what Jed Isaac was trying to do was sort of satire by with a completely straight bat. You know, claiming that he completely agreed with everything that, Lin, that, that Liz Truss said, you know, etc. And it was, and Laura Coonsberg was clearly very thrown by it because she'd, I suspect she had been prepared that Joe Lycett is a rather alternative comedian and a rather alternative person in how they are. I quite, I quite admired this satirical element of it, the element of the unexpected, and also for all that that I'm always happy to defend Laura Koonsberg. I think it speaks to a wider problem in our media generally, which is I think there's been, and I am not a conspiracy theorist, I'm not a you know evil MSM type, but I do think that we are experiencing a lack of critical thinking amongst our newscasters generally across the board. I think that there that there is a the the golden days of you know huge interviews of Robin Day and David Frost and people going people going on politicians going on things news things and really being scrutinised really being you know put under the microscope are gone. I don't know if they'll ever come back, but I don't feel that they're around at the moment. So in a way, I sort of admired somebody trying to take that on as an issue. However, it probably needed a defter comedian to do it justice. Yes. And I think there's always this this. The problem is, is that I agree with what Joe Lysett is trying to do most of the time. But it's a bit sledgehammer cracking a nut for me, I must admit. So I and, you know, I feel that it, I, I'm more willing to see the satirical element of it rather than just seeing it as rude. But I think that another defter comedian might have done that better it seems to become an accepted aspect of weekend television both in the uk and in the states mm. that saturday mornings focus on children's shows and cooking and yeah. sunday morning seems to have been the time for political analysis yes. uh, analysis sorry and interviews and if you're going to have these serious debate and interview slots mm. i don't think it adds to the format to have a comedian to come along mm. and burst the bubble a uh, few uh, uh, as you say few are able to perform or uh, amuse ad hoc yes. and in my view simply being sarcastic as i think lysett was that yeah. isn't satire and it isn't funny and I doubt whether we'll see similar bookings on the BBC Sunday morning I, I, show again. Yes, I suspect. I mean, the Andrew Marr show used to have um, musical performances mm. on it sometimes. And that could often be quite interesting and quite enlightening. I, I, I would always stick in my mind in the run up to the 2010 general election on they had PJ Harvey doing a very early version of Let England Shake, which at that point she was still playing the altar heart, but it still had a four lads sample in it. And I remember this lovely shot of zooming out to show Gordon Brown and David Cameron, the backs of their heads sat next to each other, watching it on a monitor, slightly slumped as PJ Harvey sang that England's dancing days are done. And I remember thinking, God, that, that is actually managed to be accidentally quite insightful. <laughs> 
delightful and quite entertaining TV. Uh, my my bandmate um, Sarah, that year was the year hilariously that she. Oh no, it was twenty twenty fifteen was the year that she mm. the Andrew Marshall is relevant to this. It, she decided that year partly as a joke I think a New Year's resolution was that she wanted to appear on television. That was her sort of New Year's resolution, and she unfortunately a did not achieve that, and b she was playing in two bands at the time with two people in uh, a band with me and a band with our friend Tom, and. I ended up infamously on various media outlets with Ed Miliband Stone and Tom played keyboard for a band called the Dreaming Spires who were booked for the slot on Andrew Marr at the end where they had a song. So she said, not only am I not been on TV, both of my separate bandmates have and I haven't. So, so maybe having, I'm not opposed to mixing up arts with politics, but maybe musicians are a less, a less risky approach. To be fair, you're never off the screen or I was going to say, radio, delighting really. us all, yes. Yes. Coming next, renting VHS tapes and DVDs. Oh, those were the days. Those were the days. And talking of Sundays, the peculiar events on <laughs> Sunday at Nina Wadia's house. Yeah, let's all go to Nina Wadia's. Yes. That's right after Foo Fighters.
My goodness, when Taylor Hawkins hit the drums, they stayed hit. Yes, absolutely. Um, one of my favourite bands of the last 30 years. This mm. is from 1998, reached number 21 in the UK singles chart. Foo Fighters and My Hero. I cannot believe how long they've been going for. I must yeah. admit, it just seemed very, you know, it, it seemed like one minute he was in Nirvana. And, and, and yeah. it still feels like the Foo Fighters are like a sort of a new post-Nirvana band. Absolutely. When actually, yeah. they've been, as you say, they've been going on for years and years mm. and years now. It's 25 years or so. Yeah. And you know, much longer than Nirvana did. It's 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 really strange. Although it's, I, I suspect that we've talked previously about whether or not people are really as nice as they are. I suspect Dave Grohl is that nice. Oh, we've talked about him before, haven't we? I think he probably is genuinely the nicest man in rock. Yes, I, I, I'm, I'm sure that's that, that's right. Uh, he's he's the nicest man in rock, and Bob Mortimer's the nicest man in in comedy. I suspect. Isn't it? Mm. Um, I was intrigued by a story this week about how a DVD rental store in the south of England is closing down as it can't compete with online streaming of movies and TV shows. And I was intrigued, as I couldn't believe that these sort of stores still existed at all. But uh, Mm. Uh, apparently there are 10 of them 10 more of them in the uk yes in the the states there's still over 2000 uh dvd uh rentals unexpected isn't it because there was wasn't there there was a sort of a a couple of love film style enterprises i think the bloke that run it tried to set up a century's party at some point there's Mm. some there there were there were sort of dvd via mail services that that were quite popular in the 2000s and the early 2010s that's how netflix started wasn't it yeah exactly yeah so so that that used to be a thing didn't it but yes the yeah yeah, like you say no idea who still goes to these places but yeah it's 15 years since um since next netflix started the transition from dvd rental Mm. to streaming but this story of the closure of the rental store dvd rental store in bournemouth Mm. Brought back to me the trauma of going to one of these places like <laughs> Blockbuster in the 90s and early 2000s. Because, yes. of course, in the early days, it was big, chunky VHS cassettes that we mm. used to rent. And you got penalised if you didn't uh, yes, rewind it back late. to the beginning. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes, um, and that as well, indeed. Yeah, but I, I remember going to uh, these stores. It used to give me the heebie-jeebies because there was too much choice and, of mm. course, no information. In those days, you couldn't pull a phone out and check the reviews for, I don't know, Paris, Texas, or exactly. basic. Instinct. You, you got to you got to read the back of the box the and decide blurb. if you think you'll like it or not. Exactly that. You went by the blurb <laughs> on the back of the table of the DVD. Dare I say, Terence, you had to exercise some critical thinking of your own. Oh Lord, well that's way beyond that's beyond my uh, abilities. Well, you should maybe you should go into news broadcasting <laughs> and made your outlet. <laughs> it sounds like it's for you. I made so many poor choices by that, just mm. reading the blurb. Um, yes. I feel sorry for the store owner in, in, in Bournemouth, Jules, yes. but I'm amazed that he's clung on this far. Yeah, me too. I, I, yeah, I have every sympathy for them, but equally, I just can't quite believe that that's that that, that it was still going. He's, uh, I mean, he kept going on nostalgia essentially by looking. He talked about people remembering the the, the good old days. Um, by the way, I'm always very entertained by the fact that what was blockbusters in yeah. in uh, blockbuster video in in, in Hastings. Um, the shop is still there. It is not Blockbuster really? anymore. But my friend, run, Tim, runs a bookshop out of it. Oh. The name of the bookshop is Bookbuster. And oh. the, the oh. sign has been very slightly doctored so that it okay. says that instead. And it's such a everyone knows Bookbuster. Everyone knows where it is. But And I think that's that's I would very much recommend. And it's a good shop as well. I would recommend a visit to Bookbuster in Hastings Bookbuster. if you're ever down this way. It's, it's just it's such a great joke, isn't it? It's such a and, you know. Also very good because you didn't have to pay to have the sign taken down. It's just they just used they just used the top of the L to fill in the O, I think. But um but yeah, I'm I, I used to be quite a fan of video shops, I must admit. But there used to be a particularly unexpected video shops. So when I was where I was growing up in Hastings, we had a, a local uh, sort of one-stop shop as it were sort of a news agents type place that was called beanies it's not called that now sadly i think the people that ran it are long gone but it was a very everything i wanted was always there and as a youngster i used to go there and buy comics and magazines and i still every so often terence when i'm dreaming i'm back there with all of the many many magazines that they used to sell it was a very nice place to go and as i grew up and became sort of a, a mid-teenager they used to have 
a, a big video section in the back of their store but it used to have really unexpectedly mm-hmm. quite edgy things there so i think i would hire things like the virgin suicides for example Agreed. and they had some french art house there i think as well and it was really unexpected and i've always wanted to know who it was that was buying in for this otherwise fairly <laughs> sort of work a day <laughs> sort of corner <laughs> shop the place where we would go to buy pick and mix and there was mm-hmm. a large freezer of ice creams and lots of magazines and then back the back it would have more sort of like a general store so you know you could go <laughs> so you could go in there and buy tangfastic sweets um <laughs> and interior and homes magazine a 30 bin liners and probably you could have got paris texas from there or betty blue or <laughs> something and it just i just I, I do miss the days where where you know stuff like that was just it was completely normal to go into your corner shop and buy party rings and then borrow Morgan Caller starring Samantha Morton for two days and then take it back I'm, I, I miss I do miss those days slightly I must admit unlike you I, I didn't bother myself with not knowing what to do I was interested because for me and bear in mind we were still it's the nascent days of the internet I think sort of 95 mm. to, to 98 so I would have vaguely heard of things that I might have read in music magazines, for example. So like Paris, Texas or Buena Vista yeah. stuff. But it wasn't like it is now where, you know, there were limited TV channels even then. We didn't have Sky. Um, so we were limited as to what films were shown on terrestrial TV. There was no, oh, I'll download this on the Internet. When you think now how easy it is to access everything, you know, I could walk this next door yeah. after this. Go on Amazon Prime and shout, hey, Alexa, find me, um, find me Breathless by 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 Goddard. And it would just be there straight away. I might have to pay money to watch it, but I can watch it. My card's set up and can do that straight away. As a young person, video shops were brilliant because you could think, oh, someone told me this film is good. Or I've read that this art house film is really important. And it was a way that you could access stuff like that really easily when you otherwise couldn't. So God bless my local shop, Beanies, for for allowing me to watch these slightly strange films. Whilst American Beauty, I think we hired from there um, to to do that rather than rather than you know not. Also, one of my favourites. So a university, my university flatmates used to buy Heat and the magazine, and I oh, used yeah. to judge it and then read it secretly. And there was always a famous people spotted in places. Oh. And my favourite ever entry from it was someone who had gone into a video rental shop in Brighton and Hove and had queued behind Nick Cave, who had been told that he wasn't able to rent Red Dragon because uh, Make Way for Noddy was out, was overdue and needed to be returned. Presumably one of his children had been watching it. So, yes, and I love the idea of the Prince of of Darkness or whatever he is, not being able to rent Red Dragon, which is very on brand for Nick Cave. I think because uh, because one of his children had Noddy out overdue, oh. so I, I I'm slightly nostalgic for these days, Terence, or rather for a, for a time where that was the main information point. That was where, and I think a lot of people. I was talking to a friend of mine about this, and a lot of people who grew up near me, and she was like, "Yeah, I had exactly the same experience. I used to go to Beanies all the time, and and you know, she said that she she um rented my own private Idaho." from uh from from the corner shop when yes. she went in i suspect probably to buy to buy them i think she went in to buy vogue and rented that at the same time i yeah i i miss those days we'll never see them back again i suspect not sadly each week the british newspaper the observer prints a feature mm. sunday with in which yes. a famous person gives an insight into how they spend their sundays and <laughs> Usually, I have to say, it's a little bit bland and more often than not displays the sort of envial lifestyles of well-off comedians and actors in London. Last last week, though, I was mesmerised by the interview <laughs> given for this feature by, I have to say, the previously unknown to me, actress Nina, Nina Wadia. Well, she would be best known. For, I, I'm happy to step in here and to assist our, our, mm. our listeners. She'd be best known for being part of the quartet that were in Goodness Gracious Me. The, um, oh, okay. the, the Asian it, comedy, yeah. and ah. she went on to be in EastEnders, I think, as well. Oh, again, never seen it, so there we are. But there's so much to pick from this, Jules. That <laughs> it had my head spinning. First of all, her family, including teenagers, yes. all get up and go for a walk, a long walk, at 7.30 in the morning, and I quote, 
within minutes we're all laughing she says jules i mean this is basil the cockapoo that they take out so yes. so i mean basil's a good name for a dog i've got a friend that's got a dachshund called called basil and yeah I, i'm a big fan of basil if i i have to be honest even as a teenager if if you got told me i got to spend time with a dog called basil i'd probably be into it well, maybe so. Maybe that is the, the cornerstone of this, yeah. because otherwise I can't imagine getting teenagers up at 7.30 yes. in the morning for a long walk. But it gets worse because they come home. Then they have pancakes with maple syrup. How is then that bad? Have... How is how is this bad, Terence? Oh, no, I don't, what's the problem with, with maple syrup? No, no, I'm, I'm happy with that. But then they have Sunday lunch just after that. But wait right. for this. They have a rule where everyone's phone must be turned off all day and they have teenagers, as we said. What's the matter with these young people? Why aren't they rebelling? I don't know a young person, (laughs) even under 30, who would agree to turning off their phone for a full 24 hours. Are they some sort of saints? I mean, this is it, really. I mean, I so I have friends that 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 you know the um that we have sort of Jewish people have the Sabbath on Fridays, for example, uh, the Shabbat. They that my friends exercise what they call techno Shabbat, where they turn off, and this has been written about in the press, where they turn off every they turn off all devices for uh, for sort of twenty four hours or so. I think it sounds like bliss, Terence. I'm beginning to wonder if I might adopt this. I have a landline. This is my my view is if something is on fire or somebody is significantly unwell the people whose calls I would very happily take when I was otherwise not wanting to take calls have my landline number so they can always telephone me if disaster has befallen the house of Harris or, or, or whatever has, has happened I I think I agree with you in that as an adult I think this sounds like bliss I think this sounds like a great idea as she talks about and I think this is quite a telling little sentence to concentrate on being happy and I I think that's quite a telling little sentence and and in lots of ways firstly because I think it's quite wise and I think it's, it speaks to the misery that constantly being connected can cause us, I think, that constantly being available can cause us. Having said that, I, the, the impression that your point about the teenagers not rebelling is a good one, I think, because I do worry a little bit. Is this someone trying to create an idealised version of family happiness? Is that actually happening in reality? What's going on under the surface here? I think that I think it's fascinating and a great idea. But really, like you say, the fascination comes from... What's really happening? What's what's the real story here? Yeah, or finally, um, looking back to the Seinfeld show, Festivus was a secular holiday yes. that was on the Seinfeld show. George Costanza's father, Frank, <laughs> would lead on this. And um, at the centre of the activities, the airing of grievances, yes. which generally led, led to Frank Costanza yelling at people as the Festivus dinner spiralled out of control. Amazingly, and almost certainly ill-advised. Neither Wadia's family do this every Sunday. They Cannot call believe it that. Sunday criticism, where, and now I quote, <laughs> we let our kids tell us everything that bug them about us. We have to sit and take it, unquote. These people are mad, Jules. It's a I Sunday mean, from hell. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that you lost me at this bit, I must admit. Although it might well be that the grievances are mostly, why won't you let me turn my phone on on a Sunday? I mean, that's quite a large grievance, isn't it? I would probably be, be moaning about that if I was a teenager. It's, there are fascinating dynamics, family dynamics going on underneath this that we don't know anything about I sense what's so interesting about this is that I feel like I'm being told about 10% of this story and I, I'm very much here for it I think it's great I I, I you know it's one of those it's, yeah, it's one of those, it's almost sort of Pinteresque this, that the silences <laughs> tell you more than anything else that is actually happening. What is going on underneath? What terrible things are going to happen in the future as a result of this Sunday? I don't know, but it does very much feel like the first act of a play that's yet to unfold. Thank you very much for joining us this week. Lovely to have you along. I always echo Terence's sentiments at all times, and this is no exception. I would advise Nina Wadia to escape from her nightmare family uh, <laughs> this Sunday by listening in to Julia on the radio. Oh, well, that's very kind of you. Thank you. Well, I do like to bring the relaxing vibes for a Sunday evening on Noisebox Radio, smooth sailing from 7 to 9 p.m., 
M-O-R, A-O-R, Yacht Rock, Classic Pop, Easy Listening, Lovely Tunes for two hours, and me trying to be as calming as possible in between. I would prefer it if you didn't write in with criticisms. I think it would be nice. It would be nice if you could just... feature. (laughs) Exactly, yes. What? I hate that record. I hate the way you pronounce bands. Name's wrong. I hate you, Juliet. Yeah, if you could not do that, that would be great. But no, very much welcoming people along. To play us out, an artist new to me until Juliet chose this track, but I've enjoyed exploring more of his music this week, Jules, um, since finding out about him. Well, I'm delighted that I always like it when you like the things that I introduce you to. Um, I, yeah, because because I know that that we we you know we diverge on things, and this was particularly risky as it was an instrumental, and I know you're not so keen. But there's a lot going on in this, exactly. and it's a, it's you know I do like a bit of modern jazz. I came across this at a roughly similar time to in my life, um, in that that we were um. That played on Six Music by by Marianne Hobbs's people, and I just really loved this. I loved the vibe of it. I thought it was really great. I it very much fitted the time. It was lovely to hear it, and I wanted to share it with you, Sir Terence and the gang here. So I thought, why not? Eh? Let me uh, let me play this for you. Um, this is a tune. I think this is essentially a, a, a one-man band, like you say. This is Alpha Mist, and from the album Bring Backs, this is called Run Out.
You've been listening to a Parish Council production. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it.